Hello, you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we strive for ways to achieve those two goals and we invite our friends on to help us. And today we're lucky to be joined by Misty Lynch. Misty is a certified financial planner and has lots of other talents, including, I understand, I don't know if you're involved in baking competitions or are you just watching <laughs> or you just like to watch them? <laughs> hoping, I'm hoping to get the, my six-year-old. I'm hoping that she's the one that's going to start bringing home the, the wins. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Well, we'll see. A trophy mom. <laughs> yeah, doing a lot of stress baking over the pandemic. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're keeping busy. Definitely. So Misty, how does a certified financial planner differ from what, I guess, what we would all think of as just a regular financial planner? Well, sure. I think that a certified financial planner, so I, um, I became a certified financial planner in 2011. And so it required um, some experience done some coursework and, um, and an examination that at the time took two days to pass. So, you know, when I became a financial advisor, you know, years before that, I basically had a a book and studied and and took a test in, you know, a couple hours and, um, really anybody that it's just kind of a term financial advisor, financial, you know, like, like Baker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be somebody with little experience. So as a certified financial planner, you have to have, um, you know, you have to have years worth of experience in the field. You have to go through basic, you have to have a college degree still. And then you also have to take, you know, coursework and training. So it's just a little bit more credentials, a little bit more, um, you know, studying and, and work behind it to have that certification. It is also one of the hardest tests I've ever taken in my entire life. <laughs> and I enjoy taking tests. So, um, but other than that, I mean, that's really what the difference is. But for clients, what's important is that we're held to a certain level of ethical standards that are not universal across the finance industry. I, um, people might have heard of a fiduciary standard. We're held to that where we have to make all of our recommendations, all of our advice has to be in the best interest of the client, not ourselves, which seems easy. Seems like that should be everybody. But mm-hmm. um, other, you know, other people in the industry are held to a different suitability standard, which just means they have to sell somebody something that is suitable for them, not necessarily the best thing for them. Um, so if you have somebody who maybe gets compensated a little bit more with one product that's suitable versus a different one, it's, it's trying to get rid of that conflict to say we're always required to make sure that everything we say is in that client's best interest. Yeah, yeah it's interesting how when I had an account at a certain, I, or rather when I had my a financial advisor who was at a certain brokerage or whatever, that, that seemed to be the majority or actually that's all I had for investments, right? If you have a, yeah. I mean, not to, not to uh, pick somebody, but like if you have an American prize or whatever. I forget who I was after. It was a mayor or something. It's been a while since I yeah. let other people manage my assets. <laughs> but, but yeah, and that's all I had was funds from that particular company. Right. So there could be a lot of others that might've been good for me, but obviously that's all the ones they were interested in selling me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I work, um, I work with a firm now where um, we actually have two portfolios that we run. They're 100% stock. <laughs> some are the utility stocks and some are in growth stocks. Um, and we're, you know, basically just looking at these companies and putting them up against, you know, our criteria to see if we want to buy them, when we decide we'd sell them, and what we'd want to do next. And so 
there's no, you know, different commissions. I don't sell any insurance products anymore, even though I think insurance is a big part of a financial plan and picture. Um, I, I'm outside of that now. So really all of the advice or any of the, any of the um, stocks that I put my clients in are because those are the best ones that we think would, would meet their needs. Yeah. Excellent. One other thing, not to get too far off track, because we are here to talk about millionaire mindset, yeah, but yeah. An, a, a regular financial advisor is never going to recommend that you put any of your money into real estate. And as a real estate agent, I happen to think real estate's a great investment, mm-hmm. but they, there's no commission in it for them. So they would never suggest that you ever yeah. recommend clients put real estate into their portfolio. Yeah. I think that that would be something that most people, you know, I don't sell real estate. I wouldn't, make any, I wouldn't make a dime. However, when I do financial planning work with clients, my job is to figure out what that client wants in their life. And for me, I knew personally, when I was 10 years old, I wanted to own a home someday because we had a home and then we had to um, sell it. And we lived in different apartments after that, um, as I was growing up. And I wanted always to own a home. So no matter who I worked with financially, like they could tell me all day long to, you know, put your money in this type of investment. But for me, before I was 30, I was going to own a home. And so that's exactly what I did. So I think that's a huge part of, um, you know, financial planning. It can be, yes, this is the right rate and this is the, you know, returns. However, you really have to know what people, what their real goals are. And sometimes they're very different. Yeah, definitely. So this is actually part three of our millionaire master, our millionaire mindset series. Mm-hmm. And I want to, well, first of all, how would you define uh, financial independence or, I mean, cause millionaire is more of a, right. If you spend 10 million and you only make 9 million, yeah, <laughs> you're still mean. broke. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, for me, I think, I think mindset is, is very important. Um, along with being a certified financial planner, I'm also a certified life coach because I I don't think that people can, um, you can't get there. You can't have financial success or really any success if your mind isn't also aligned with what you're doing. So for me, it's not a dollar figure necessarily that's financial independence. Yes, I can tell people um, in a report exactly when they can quit their jobs, when they will run out of money if they spend X. How long they're allowed to live? (laughs) Absolutely. I could say you're going to be a hundred years old and this is how much would be if nothing else changes in your life. But that's just, I mean, and that's helpful. That certainly helps people who are thinking about quitting their jobs or maybe they're taking early retirement or they want, they had a very expensive year because of a health crisis or something and they want to know if they're way off track. So that's where that's helpful. But as far as mindset's concerned, um, I, I think that a lot of that has to do with how each person feels. And so I might have one client that hates debt and looks great on paper, but the fact that they still have a mortgage, they still have something might keep them awake at night. When I look at them and think there's no, there's no real stress here. Um, that might not be true. So I usually will listen to clients and see what, what that means for them. If it means being able to pay for their kids' college tuition, if it means being able to sit on a beach and retire, maybe they want to work forever. So that mindset um, sometimes requires some different questions to ask rather than just looking at the information I could pull um, from bank or from statement. Yeah. 
So what, what would you say is a person's first step if they want to at least explore this idea of early retirement or, or just feeling financially confident that they can yeah. be allowed so think, to live longer? <laughs> I think what, what's important is to figure out what your values are. And so this is something that I do regularly. And I have about five things that are my top five values. And they, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to go through. So I have an exercise where I'll just like look at all these different values. There could be, you know, 20, 30, and then just see which ones ring a bell for clients and which ones don't really matter, resonate. So for me, something like um, my family and um, security are values. And so that's why owning my own home fits perfectly. I like knowing where, you know, I like having my house. I like the fact that I can have my dog. I like that there's that stability is there. Yeah. Um, also, you know, with my kids, I mean, they, the other day they had a school book fair. I like the fact that I have enough money that I can just get whatever books they want. And if the teacher had some books listed, I could buy some of those too because that aligns perfectly with my values because I, my children, their education, my family, like those, those line up. And so that makes me feel good about spending, um, as you know, as much as possible there, as much as I need to. Well, there are certain things that people maybe are spending a lot of money on that they don't value. Maybe they have gym memberships that they don't go to or pay, they pay for, but they don't really use it or a lot on, um, you know, entertainment, TV, cable, and they're not watching it. So those bills are harder to write, yeah. um, you know, to write that check for because you're not, you don't get anything out of it or it's not really aligned with what you told me you care about. So what I'll do is I'll look at clients, some of their checking account statements, their calendar. And so they may say, you know, health and fitness is really important to me and they're not spending any time on it, <laughs> none of their budget on it. And then it's like, okay, well then, you know, what if we looked at where you are spending money that maybe doesn't feel good and shift it around? Then it makes the, the saving and the investing part, we, we decide what needs to be done there. Maybe that runs in the background. If it's not there, they're not happy to, you know, go look at their investment balance. Maybe they don't care about that. Put that on autopilot. We can adjust that when we need to. And then when they know what's left in their checking account, say, can go towards those things that feel really good, like maybe their friends running a race and, or raising money for charity. Some people just love to be able to be like, no matter what, I can do that. And so I think that mindset part, once you get those goals kind of lined up with, you know, what you have to spend, then things start to feel better, even if it's a small amount. Yeah. It, it seems to me that there are a lot of maybe mental barriers toward people achieving, you know, more than just like a comfortable amount of money. Like when you start to think about being a millionaire or having a, a legacy that you can leave or having the money to do to maybe to stop working early or to do, you know, something that some of us might consider extravagant. Where do you think those blocks come from? How do you help people get beyond those? I think when we try to think about if you have, don't have evidence of something happening. So maybe if I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to have a million dollar income, I've never seen that happen yet. Thinking I could make a hundred thousand dollars might seem 
easy to picture if it's something you've already done. And so you can't look to the past for evidence that something's going to happen that is a goal that you haven't reached yet. So you have to almost start thinking like a person who's at that state already. What type of decisions would that millionaire business owner make versus you business owner just starting out? And your brain, if you ask a question, it'll find an answer. It, it will. It's just, if you're just thinking, well, I've never done this, you're going to come up with a million roadblocks and doubts, reasons why it's probably not going to work out. You'll find a ton of those. But you have to kind of push yourself to say, okay, if I was to be a person who's leading a 20-person team or um, you know, has these type of executive decisions to make, you might not be there yet, but it'll just cause you to think a little bit differently. And that can help you get past those blocks because um, really you're just asking yourself a different, a different level of questions. Maybe you have to start looking at what certain people in different levels of success are doing. What do they read? What are they thinking about? Where do they spend most of their time and money? And so I think that could be one way to back into success is to try to picture yourself there. And how did you get there? What did that person do? You know, it's almost like if you're picturing yourself losing a hundred pounds or something, well, did they beat themselves up every time they had, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple of chips, you know, two years in? No, of course not. They're not going to do that. That person 10 years from now, who's exactly where they want to be is going to, you know, keep moving forward and, and, you know, brush themselves off. Yeah. And so I think it could be the same way with financial success. Well, and also when you are, are thinking like today, it's just me, but you know, at some point in time, there are going to be more people. You can make decisions that will keep those doors more open yeah. as opposed to, you know, I'm going to do whatever, you know, you, you design this, oh, I'm going to make some um, written instructions of how yeah. my, my future secretary is going to answer the phone. And this is mm -hmm. how this person is going to, you know, know what their job is going to be, whatever. Yeah. And I think that can help, especially with, well, we'd want to have some sort of tracking system, or maybe we'd want to have some technology where right now you might say, no, no, keep it, keep it lean. Nothing built in. No, don't even, you know, think about taking on anything else. And that's how you'll stay really small is just by thinking about doing things exactly the way you're doing them now. Yeah. In my industry, I've listened to a lot of people who have grown their real estate businesses to be very successful. And mm -hmm. the thing that they all say is we had procedures, we had plans, we have books, we have ways to help yeah. to deliver a consistent product to everyone. And yeah, because backing into that too can be difficult. Once you do have a couple people working there that maybe do their own thing their own way, then all of a sudden they leave and it's a real scramble to figure out, well, how did they do this part of their job? And so, you know, I worked in operations and compliance for a number of years as well um, in the financial industry. And uh, those, those policies and procedures are very, very helpful, especially if you want to, to grow. Yeah, definitely. How has your relationship with money changed over the years? Do you feel you've, it's changed or it's evolved at all? Yeah. Um, I, when I was growing up, like I mentioned before, you know, I, my parents were self-employed. And so I saw the flexibility and the freedom. They never asked their bosses for time off. <laughs> that just wasn't a thing. Right. However, you know, with, I saw the, I saw the bad side too. I saw the side that if a client doesn't pay their invoice 
or it's Christmas time and they decide they're not going to pay until February, that we could go six weeks, eight weeks without any income coming in at all. Yeah. And there's no unemployment. I mean, now there is for some of the pandemic relief, but yeah. back in the 90s, there was no unemployment insurance for someone self-employed. <laughs> you, yeah. um, We would just have to be, um, you know, and, and my parents both had very different mindsets. My father just saw the ability that he had to create money when he wanted to um, and to be as busy as he wanted to. And my mother had um, a lot of scarcity, a lot of fear trying to keep the house running with nothing coming in and um and it was very scary and depressing sometimes um but they both just thought completely differently about it so i think i inherited a little bit of both where i don't want that level of stress in my life at all which doesn't mean i need to just make tons of money doing anything but it also means i'm very um you know, I I really am conscious of how I take on debt, how I spend money, how I invest it and save it. Um, And I don't apologize for that. You know, sometimes I don't buy my kids everything they need or want because I'm putting money into something else. Um, And I'm not afraid to talk about money with my husband or anyone. But I also think I have a little bit of my dad's mindset where, um, I think money is kind of like an energy, like you can create it, you can attract it, you can, um, you know, you could fear it and then it'll, it'll stay away if you're afraid. I mean, it can, you can certainly put things out there where, you know, you're not going to have that abundance and that sort of success. But yeah. um, I, I do think very, you know, kind of a little bit on the technical side of money, but also a little bit on that, um, that spiritual and emotional side with it too. Yeah. And you, t- you just kind of touched on this, but well- why do you think that more of us aren't attracting money? Do you think we're holding it away from us? I think money is something that we don't really always have a lot of confidence in because, well, maybe we're, you know, even if you're, you grew up with money and your, your memories from first memories of money weren't that you didn't have enough. People don't really um, talk about it. People with a lot of money tend to be ashamed of how they came into it or how much they have or how little other people might have sometimes where they might not talk about it for that reason. People without money might talk about it all the time as difficult, hard, um, always going to require a ton of effort, never going to be enough. And so those are things that we hear starting out, I mean, really, really young. And then we don't really have some, you know, a lot of financial literacy or education when it comes to our, what we learn in school. Yes. Um, and also a ton of teachers are in a lot of student loan debt themselves. I mean, they're not maybe the ones who want to be talking money or teaching money. And so there's this, there's really everybody's kind of on their own to figure it out. Mm. And traditionally financial advisors work with people who have it, yeah. not people who are acquiring it or want it. Yeah. And so true. literacy and I think access to good financial advice and planning is opening up. You know, it's one of the reasons I started writing my blog was just, I wanted to write about things that anybody can do that could improve their credit score, help them understand, you know, their loans, um, maybe attract more money by thinking about it in a different way rather than it's so hard. It's never going to be enough because if you had a person in your life, like say your boyfriend or your whatever, um, and you thought about them 
they're not as good as everyone else's. It's never going to be enough. They're kind of pathetic. I really don't like them. How is that person, that relationship going to grow? It's, it's not, it, it, it's not. And so I think of my money that way too. I check on it. I think about it. I, I want it to be happy and grow. And, and that's the Go kind parties of, for it. Yeah. You know, like, it's just like, look at you credit score. I'm so proud of you today. Like, that's great. And, um, and that's why, and I think that that's a way to, to keep something, you know, going in the right direction. That's an excellent analogy, actually. You know, you <laughs> celebrate it. Look, oh, look what we did. Oh, boy, you know. You know, oh, and going to a rough is, patch, but don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Paying down debt is progress. Yeah. You know, that's good stuff. It might not, it's not going to always be a lottery win. I mean, that's yeah. just not, that's not normal. But I think that that effort and that consistency can be um, like any relationship. You got to work at it. <laughs> It's true. It's no Prince Charming when it comes no. to finances. <laughs> no. no, you're not going to have some uncle you didn't know about suddenly pass away and leave you some money. Like those things happen and people want, people want that quick win because it's painful and it's hard, but you know, most of the things that are, are worth it are. <laughs> but also because there is that money mindset and because you do have to learn how money works, that if you get that windfall, a lot of people are just it's gone no, as fast as it comes. And, Wait a second. Money's actually hard. There's never going to be enough. And then boom, like they're spending it as fast as it can go. And then it's gone again yeah. because money's hard because money's not supposed to be mine. It's other people's, not me. And so right, right. I think if you have the right mentality and I had a pretty good mindset, even when I was waiting tables and paying off student loan debt and trying to figure out what I should do. Um, I always thought like, Hey, every dollar I made was something I earned. And I was proud of it, even, even when it was like a thousand dollars. That's wonderful though. But the very first podcast that I did, I interviewed uh, Tyler chef who is called his thing is the cash flow guys. He's got a podcast called the cash flow guys. And he said, all you have to do is figure out how to make a hundred dollars passive and then just do that a whole bunch of times until you have enough money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand dollars. And that's why I started to love investing like young. I, um, I, I did a, like a competition in sixth grade with stock market. It was the first time I ever heard of the stock market, but I thought it was cool that you could just invest in something and then it works and makes money while you don't have to do anything. And so I like, I invested my fake money in Coca-Cola stock, which I thought Fruitopia was going to be enormous. It's sadly the fruit juice beverage was not enormous, but <laughs> I didn't win the competition, but I just thought that concept was so easy because all I had seen was my parents working their tails off for money that never seemed to be enough or last. And it was like, there's gotta be a better way than that. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. And investing is something that if more people, I think got past that being afraid of risk, I mean, there's risk if you don't, save or invest any of your money running out of it to me was a bigger risk than anything I could consider doing otherwise. Yeah. yeah. And especially if you start young, I mean, that is such mm -hmm. a gift to have started young. I mean, I, I started thinking about, gee, you know, someday I'm going to have to stop working. And at, at like 50, I said, Oh gosh, I need to get some money. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I think, I think it's something about, you know, starting young is, is great, but I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people now who are, you know, starting out with a tough environment to find a job, tough 
you know, lots of loan debt, doing the thought, the thing that you thought was the right thing to do and uh, going to the best school, even if it was a stretch to afford it. Yeah. But I still think that, that I want people to understand that you can do things at the same time. You know, you can, you can save and invest some money. I just, you know, when I got my first job and put, you know, whatever percent I could to get the 401k match, you know, that's just something that I, I'm so glad I did because it just started that I wasn't used to having it where then I had to part with it. <laughs> to say, oh, now it has to go from my checking account into this investment. Maybe it'd be better to go shopping because <laughs> it wasn't there. And so yeah. I think that could be easier to make those decisions. But for people who are starting their own businesses, that's all on them. There's no HR department that's going to say, hey, sign up for this. It's a good idea. And so that's something that I want, you know, people who are starting their own businesses now after leaving a career or maybe they've just left college to say there's, you know, there's some things that you can do that'll hook you up later on in life. Yeah. And you'll be so happy you did that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You totally will. I mean, nobody's, nobody's right now saying like, oh, man, that, that emergency fund, what a waste. You know, like <laughs> right. nobody, nobody in the world is saying that right now. Um, or investments or just knowing that there's money there, like yeah. that helps because I know what it's like when there's nothing to turn to and, and there's a, and that it, it's hard. It's really, really scary. And yeah. so having those things set up, that's going to be great just to even keep you going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you start your podcast? What inspired you to do that? <laughs> so <laughs> I'd, um, I'd, I'd written a blog. I started writing a blog in 2018. Um, when I decided not to shop for a year. And so I needed to shift my bad habits to something good. <laughs> and so I wrote every week just about random money things and updated people quarterly on my progress. Um, and then after like a year and a half of blogging, um, I'd been a guest on some podcasts and some shows. And I was like, wow, this is a lot more fun than writer's <laughs> blog. And, um, and so a friend of mine who um, had a radio show in New York had um, reached out to me after an article that I wrote, I think in, in Medium. And she was like, you should do a radio show. You should do a podcast. This, um, I think would be great. So she connected me with one of her friends at iHeartRadio and talked a little bit about the current financial uh, podcasts and shows are pretty much, um, you know, older men talking about success in retirement. And so I wanted to talk about how people created their businesses, what they're doing with their money, how they, how they love to spend it, what they, you know, how you could take something that maybe be, was a hobby and turn it into, a, you know, a lifestyle and an income stream. And so um, that's kind of how I pitched the show. And now it's great. It's been um, a lot of fun just talking to different people about how they think about money and, and how they manage it. Yeah. And do you do it live? It says on the, on your website that it's live. Do you allow people to call in and ask questions? You know, because of COVID, we can't tape in the, in the studio. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely something for 2020 20, or 2021 that mm -hmm. I'd love to do because I think it you know, we can't be too specific with how much information for each person, but I think we can answer a lot of general questions that people might have that a lot of people might have yeah. um, in a live setting or certainly address some of the, the mindset, some of the fears, some of the concerns that people might have 
that maybe they've never said out loud, but would listen in and, and say, yeah, that's me. I feel that way all the time. Yeah. Um, and be able to talk to more people on a, on a bigger scale. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So what do you, are there any other podcasts or books or that you listen to a lot and recommend to people when they're trying to educate themselves about money? Yeah, I read a lot of um, different books. If you go to my website, um, for our investment strategy that we use at our firm, um, David Malik has a book, Dancing with the Analyst. It's basically how we've structured our whole investment philosophy. And it's a fiction book. So I have to say that like, as far as finance books are concerned, it's, it's one of the better ones because it, there's actually a story to it. Um, and so on my website, I give that away. Um, and then also I, I love habit books like, you know, the power of habit and um, atomic habits, how to win is a great one about strategy for people who, um, I have, yeah, that one, it's a Procter and Gamble. Um, they wrote it, how they shifted like oil of Olay from being like, an old lady product to this new, you know, to now like rebranding. And, and so it's just interesting. I love reading business books about how people can shift their, their strategy and the way they think and, and find success. Um, and I think that one's a good one. And also before, yeah, my favorite, my favorite book forever is probably man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. That's a short one but it's about um, a man who was, a, I think he was a psychiatrist in um, a concentration camp and about how his mindset kept him alive and how other people's mindsets didn't. And it was just, I mean, granted, of course, other things, but some people who thought they would make it a certain number of days made it exactly a certain number of days, you know? So it's a very fascinating um, and, and inspiring book. What other things do you think people need to know um, I think people, I think people need to know that some of their thoughts should be questioned. Um, and a lot of times we just think things so frequently that we believe that they're true. Um, being bad with money, always being broke. That's a thought. Um, the fact is you have X dollars salary or X dollars in your bank account. You can think differently about that about your debt, about how much money you have, how much money you need, those are optional in their thoughts. And so when I talk to some people who just tell me things like, I'm never gonna be able to retire, like it's the weather, I'll put that <laughs> say, is that, is that true? How, how do you, you know, would somebody else look at, you know, and, and know that off the bat? And so that could be hard to do. And sometimes it's hard to just be like, I'm going to think I'm a millionaire and it's just going to happen. Like you can't wish your way, but you can also say, I have enough money for today. I have enough money to pay the bills or I am on unemployment right now, but I worked hard and this is why it's here to get me through. So you can go from, you know, those super negative thoughts, maybe to something neutral. Mm -hmm. And then that's easier to then make that jump to something more positive that'll get you where you want to go. Yeah, no, that's excellent advice. Excellent advice. There, are there any questions that you would wish, wished I would have asked you? <laughs> no, this was great. I, I'm very happy that we were connected with each other and I look forward to catching up on some of the other shows that you've done. I think this is a, I think it's a great, I think it's a great topic. And I think, um, I think it's a, the more we start talking to people about their mindsets, maybe the easier it will be for them to, to believe in themselves a little more too. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, I've, I've noticed, as you were saying before about you say these things to yourself, you, you repeat these bad messages to yourself like it's the weather. Well, it's, it's true. You, you don't really, you have to stop because I, for example, I had an affirmation that I was saying for the whole year. And now, of course, it's almost Halloween and I haven't achieved this thing. And I, I keep saying it. And while I'm saying it at the back of my mind, like, how is that going to happen? That's not possible now, you know, blah, blah, blah. Da, da, da. Well, it, of course it's possible. And so I have to sort of shift it and say, okay, but what could happen? Like, imagine something that could happen that could make this, you know, anything like one of the, one of my mentors has us do income circles, right? Where all the different places where you could potentially get money. And I thought, well, look, you know, someone could sponsor the podcast. Someone would say, oh, Chris, we just love this podcast. We want to yeah. give you, you know, half a million bucks. There you go. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, yeah. that's a little bit of a stretch. But the, the point is, I think, is just to continue to be creative, continue to mm -hmm. think of ways. And, and the more those things can seem real, like you were saying, oh, you can't just go from being. Yeah, that's, that's just hard. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're not going to believe it. Right. Like you're, you're going to say, yeah, okay, sure. You're, yeah. you know. <laughs> you're this but I think you can you can start with just maybe trying to get rid of like when those negative thoughts come you can say no well like that that's not what I want to think you know I can I can think that maybe there's still three months left of this year or there's this many you know there's this many days to do this um and this is you know if someone wants to sponsor a podcast what is that what does that look like maybe I could just read a little more on that you know and I, I think you can you could do those sort of things, especially if your goals are, and you should set goals that are big. You should set impossible goals. Yeah. Feeling like you're going to stretch. Right. Exactly. Oh, I want to make a dollar more than I did last year. Oh, great. <laughs> that's something to get excited right. about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that's, it, it, it can't just be, you know, writing down your to-do list. And I'm guilty of that too, where I'm like, oh, you know, take a shower today. Yay. I did something, you know, like you gotta, you know, you gotta try a little bit, you know, but. Sometimes it does feel good to accomplish things, but yeah. it feels really good when like you make stuff happen that was a dream a few years ago. But what you just said is perfect though, because here's this way I could make money and people are already making money that way. And they've all, not all, but many of those people have written books about it or they have a podcast about it or yeah. they have some, they've shared that information. Yeah. It, it's not a secret. It's set figure. It's just. Right. Yeah, because it feels like, oh, well, they know something I don't. I guarantee you they talked about it to somebody because somebody else is probably curious and they probably wanted to share it because once you figure something out and there's, you know, there's a story behind it, yeah, that's that's the show, that's the book, that's um, that's another way to make that passive income. So I, I guarantee anybody that you look at and say, hmm, how did they do that? You could probably find out. And I think that's what's <laughs> great about today. You could probably tweet them and talk to them. I mean, it's never been, information's never been more accessible. So yeah. that's a and good also, thing. I think when you get to that level and you have that abundance mindset that you realize there's plenty for everyone. I don't have to hold this information close to the vet. I don't have to like be the only one in the world that knows how to make money in real estate, right? Yeah. Or I don't, the only one who has ever monetized the podcast. No, I can't yeah. let, let that information out. Right. No, because there is, there's, there's more, there's money, there's enough for everybody out there. Even, even with the way we invest money at first, I was like, oh, there's, you know, this guy wrote a book about it. Like, why wouldn't he want to just be like all the money for me? And it's just like, 
because there's enough. I mean, I love like other financial advisors, other financial planners that I know. I mean, and with women, sometimes there's a sense of like scarcity because we're the only one in the room sometimes in, in certain industries, but it's like, I want to see them get all the business all, all because there's enough, like there's enough people out there who might be looking for someone to work with. So exactly. um, that can be, there's, there's more for everybody. Yeah. So what would, uh, tell me, first of all, how, I mean, I'm going to put all of the links, all the books that we talked about, a link to your website and the video, if people want to watch the video, it's all going to be on the website, which is getyourfillpodcast.com. And I invite everybody to subscribe to that podcast because you don't want to miss another action-packed, exciting episode. And also to share. If you know anyone who you think can benefit from this idea of abundance and financial independence and ways to achieve goals, then please share the episode with them. And the reason that that all came up is because I was going to ask you, aside from going to the website and, and just clicking the link, what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to get your advice on planning their futures? Yeah. So um, on my website, there is a link to my calendar where, you know, I could have, a, I'll have a intro call with, with really anybody who's thinking about financial planning or investing. Um, also on social media, Misty Lynch CFP. Um, I think on LinkedIn, it's just Misty Lynch, which is one of the benefits of having a unique name. Um, <laughs> so very easy to find. And yeah, feel free to connect or interact with me there. Um, or yeah, we'll head over to the website. Excellent. And the show is on WRKO in Boston on Sundays at two, but you can catch the podcast. The podcast is wherever you podcast Modern Money with Misty Lynch. Um, and that those episodes update every Sunday. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks so much, Misty, for being with us. Thank you. I love nice the information you shared in, the, in your perspective on things and just a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> me on. And thank you, listener, for listening. And please be sure to be here next week because we've got lots of other experts, I guess you would call them, on creating a, a millionaire mindset that are going to be checking in with us. Anyway, have a fantastic week, and I look forward to sharing something fun with you next week. <laughs> <laughs>